When chaos begins to emerge in our world, where can we go to remind ourselves of hopeful humans that are helping to create a more compassionate world? Each month in the Restorative Pulse podcast, tune in as we feature thought leaders creating innovation, innovative change in our world and in our systems, from the macro level to the micro level, in our schools, healing spaces, and beyond. I'm Julie Johnson, founder of Integrate Network, and this is the Restorative Pulse podcast. Awesome. Okay, good. Hey, everyone. It's Julie Johnson from um, Integrate Network, and this is the Restorative Pulse Podcast Season 3, um, Episode 4. It's been a, we're now more into our normal, like, monthly segments. Um, we really built our content there during the pandemic, and now we're kind of, we ha- we're in our jives. So today we have grounded teachers, Sarah and Jess, um, that are on today talking about regenerative ed. So I'll let Sarah and Jess go and talk. Sarah, you're on mute, just so you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, cool. <laughs> just wanted to give you a heads up there. Um, and yeah, just talk a little bit more about um, Grounded Teachers and kind of like your, your mojo there. Jess, do you want to take it? Sure. So um, I'm Jess Boki, uh, and I co-founded Grounded Teaching with Sarah Pottle, my twin sister. And um, we started this about two years ago. And, you know, my day job is I'm an, I'm an English teacher. This is my 17th year of teaching English. I'm a national board certified educator. And in addition to an English teacher, I'm also a yoga instructor, uh, a health coach, a breathwork coach, and a whole host of other um, things revolving around regenerative agriculture and community uh, activism and uh, that sort of thing. And so um, we've kind of pooled all of our interests together to create this thing called grounded teaching. And it was really when we started to think about our role as educators and people in the uh, educational realm and the, especially in the um, industrial educational system of public school teaching, you know, we were starting to look at what were really the things that were holding us back from really achieving high results and high success with our students and with our colleagues and just feeling like the the time and energy that we're putting into our day jobs are actually, you know, it's, it's actually kind of paying off and worth it and is not just feeding this system. So we started to drill down on what the purpose of education is. And that's where we kind of came up with the idea for regenerative education based on our understanding of regenerative agriculture. And, you know, I worked on organic farms for the summers during my teaching career. And and Sarah has a permaculture farm going at her place. And so we've uh, really, and and we've started this nonprofit for regional textile systems. So we really understand this idea of of bioregionalism, of regeneration, and what that means for education. So Sarah, did you want to kind of expand on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So I think, um, I mean, you, you hit all the, the big points there, Jess, but one thing that might be interesting to think a little bit more about is just digging into 
the idea of the industrial educational system and why um, why it's a paradigm that we're not really aware of. <laughs> so when we go to our day-to-day -day jobs and we work at things and, you know, we, Julie, before we started recording, you were just saying something about how, you know, we were talking about compliance and accountability and all of these things that feel really um, mechanical, hierarch hierarchical, how do you say that word? Hierarchical? <laughs> hierarchical, there you go. Hierarchical, yeah. Um, but all of these things that feel, um, when we when we think about them, we're like, eh, it doesn't really feel good. There's something about it that feels a little bit too black and white, a little bit too um, not human. And we always find ourselves saying like, no, but we're humans and, and I'm a human teacher or I'm a human principal or I'm a human mother, you know, I'm not a machine. We, we're constantly reminding ourselves of this if we like think about culture. Um, so it, it's, it's interesting, like why would we have to remind ourselves of that? <laughs> because we, wouldn't we, know, we know we're humans, right? Like, so why are we dance that time? I'm human, I'm a human after all, right? Mm -hmm. And it's because, um, you know, at least how, how Jess and I have really come to look at it in a helpful way is because it, we exist in this culture that is primarily based around industry. And that goes back to this idea of, separation, um, separation from uh, the, the land, separation from other people, um, competition. Um, and that's led to things like uh, colonialism, things like capitalism, right? And, and things where we look at how we can extract resources and use those for a profit. And unfortunately, our major systems are really, um, they're really steeped in this way of thinking, right? Healthcare system, Jess, you know, Jess and I know that we're health coaches. Like we, we understand what healthcare is like. We've both had health issues. If you've had a health issue, you understand that you feel sort of um, often, not all the time, but like a machine kind of going through a conveyor belt to try to like fix you um, instead of a human. Um, same thing if you look at the farming system, right? Uh, when we look at farming, um, industry has also taken over that system, which actually works with nature and living things but is treating it more like a factory and of course you know we're here today talking about the educational system which is not far at all from these other systems that has also been industrialized but it's like when you look at it you're like we're doing knowledge stuff we're doing learning stuff there's no like concrete end product we can commodify right so like no we're not really an industry but when you actually look at the way that we treat education at the way that we break it down, um, and the way that we really, the way that we really think about, you know, what 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 success is, and the way that we define success, you're like, oh yeah, kind of, we are in kind of like an educational industrial model here. We're not in 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 something else. And when you don't have the opposite end of that paradigm to compare it to, you're kind of lost because you think, well, like this is just how education operates. But what we do at Grounded Teaching is we try to show that like, no, we're actually, that industrial paradigm is just one part of it. And if you look at the opposite end of that, which is thinking about things as an ecosystem instead of an industry, now we see a different way of operating. Now we see that when you, when you actually sort of live into what it means to be a living system. And if you think of the purpose of education as, or the, not even the purpose, but the potential behind education to provide everybody with more life, so we can have a thriving society. And by more life, I don't mean like my, more babies, right? I mean like being more awake, um, being more joyful, having more humor, that sort of thing, right? When we think about being alive, right? What is the potential for the educational system to help with that and to create a more thriving society? And we see, oh, when we look at, when we look at an ecosystem, it 
it creates more life. So what about instead of modeling uh, our school system, which is full of living human beings, um, after an industry, like a factory, what if we modeled it after how an ecosystem operates? And so that's where we sort of are, um, that's where we are pushing and that's where we are sort of training teachers and principals and even parents to think about um, doing learning in a way that promotes that. Um, and then the regenerative ed is sort of what we call like the, that's sort of what we call that ecosystem way of thinking. Um, and regeneration these days can take a lot of different ways. There's a lot of different ways that you can define it. It's defined differently in agriculture, but primarily the way that Jess and I like to think about it is that it is a way of thinking that creates more life, just very simply. Um, and so when we think about regenerative ed, we're thinking about how do we do ed in the current system that we have, that right now we don't really have the option. We maybe had the small option last year to just wipe the slate, the slate clean and, and do something different. We don't really have that option now. So how can we retrofit what is happening to be more regenerative? And that's kind of what we're going for with, with what we offer. Yeah, I think that's, I, yeah, and I took their course when it, this whole, that's how I, I know them is I took their, um, your, your regenerative ed course for your, when we were all going through the pandemic um, virtual learning stuff last fall. And I love how you integrate it into like all the different, uh, like you take the same, well, just like, cause you're instructional designers, but like, um, but I was like, I just like when people can like take their philosophy and they apply it to all these different things, which is how educators work, <laughs> which yeah. is how, how we design things. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's interesting because what's informed our design isn't really necessarily our experience with education. Like Jess has so much deep experience with, uh, you know, lesson planning, 17 years of being in, a, uh, being in a classroom, national board certified educator, two degrees in it, you know, like, and same with me, I've been a coach. I have coached like hundreds of teachers and leaders. Um, I've trained like thousands of teachers and leaders in the system, by the system. Um, but there's there is like if we had just stayed there i feel like we wouldn't have the range of experiences that would have created our understanding of um how to sort of be in an ecosystem so i just said like it's that 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 experience working on a farm it's an it's the experience that we have with setting up um a a, a space to have more circular regenerative farm to fashion regionally in our ohio area um and so like all of these experiences and the trainings and the speakers and the things that we're that we are um, aware of and incorporating those into education and not just being a silo of like this is how we do education so this is how we do, run a training you know this is how we design instruction um that's been really really helpful i think for us um and just a, a really valuable experience and a, a humbling experience um as well and Julie, I see that in your work too, because with, you know, you, you obviously teach yoga and like your universal design course has, is, is completely influenced, you know, as, as, as how I see it by your understanding of belonging and being grounded that, you know, comes through in your yoga practice. So I think, you know, part of regeneration, and I'm thinking of this for my classroom too, is like, looking at the people around us as our assets and um, you know, what else can they bring to the table? What other, what else do they have that I want to know about that, that we can all celebrate that will, you know, help us all become our more unique selves and, and support us in that. And, you know, that's not just I'm an English teacher, I'm a math teacher, I'm a history teacher. So you can come to me about math, English, or history, 
you know, it's like, well, what else does that history teacher do? You know, how can, and, you know, Sarah's uh, starting a thing with coaching principals, you know, how can uh, a school leader help pull out some of the assets from their and support some of the assets from their teachers mm-hmm. um, to create a more well-rounded uh, school system. And same thing with me and my students. How can I look at them not just as this English student, but you know, as and you know, this this whole person with with something to give, with some energy to bring and to support other people, even if that student and I don't see eye to eye, you know. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. I mean, well, and I think that's the thing. I think we have to deconstruct those um, kind of those limiting um, roles that we might put people in, you know, and only seeing people by their roles. And I think to some degree, I think that's slightly dehumanizing. If not to some degree, it is. <laughs> it's like, it is. Um, you know, and I think that that's kind of that concept of, um, you know, whether you're talking about, you know, farming or, you're talking about multiple differentiated instruction or whatever, that's what I specialize in. Um, I think that, you know, you kind of have to look at, um, you gotta look at like the assets, as you say, like what are the assets to, um, what the per- what can the ch- what can the person do? Whether, whatever that is, like rec- across the board, whether it's in education or in yoga or in whatever therapy, you know, it's looking at that asset-based uh, perspective, right? Um, you know, I think this brings up something that I've experienced in the school system is, you know, um, concerns, you know, that just, this is coming up like the assets. I, like how many meetings have I been in, especially as a, someone that works in um, special ed um, as an, and then, and then around technology, you know, so trying to minimize those barriers. How many times do I hear educators speak on the um, concern, quote unquote concerns? Um, for 45 minutes, right? And then we spend 10 minutes on assets, 10 minutes on assets, okay? And the assets are gonna get you buy-in, right? And so I think that that's what I like about your stuff is you're kind of looking at those assets first. And yes, of course there's areas of need, always. You know, there's always areas of growth, but when we go to don't start with the assets and the resourcing and who we are and our gifts and strengths first, you, it, you, you lose people, you know, cause that's, cause people come in already with their self-critic, you know, teachers and students. Right. So anyway, that's just my, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, no. And, and I think that what, um, you know, what you're pointing at is a different, is a, is a whole different mindset that you sort of need when you start to even just approach a person. Right. right. Like, so, uh, if I am in like this industrial sort of mindset, I'm going to look at a situation and a person as, and, and if I'm a leadership position, a teacher, a counselor, a, a leader, a, a, a yoga instructor, a healthcare provider, anything like that. If I'm doing my service and somebody comes to me, right. I can either look at myself in those sort of, sort of roles as, um, the problem sir. And that be how the industry has sort of trained us and programmed us and our culture has trained us and programmed us to, to look at these things. It's like, I'm a fixer. I'm going to fix it. Um, as opposed to like, I am here to see your gifts and talents and help pull that out. And then sort of like whatever barriers come up to help you get past those barriers. Right. And so like, that is a totally different way of looking at it. 
And yeah, I don't, I, I totally agree with you. Like, it's not like we only look at assets. We don't look at like problems. Like there's no, like, it's not like a either or, right? Like there are some things that we, there, there are definitely fires that you have to put out and like things happen. You have to have skills to address them. But I think it's that, in, that initial orientation to, mm-hmm. that makes such a difference. It makes such a difference. Yeah, absolutely. And people will, I mean, I think that's true for like professional development, you know, or like, um, not professional development, like um, when, when we get our, not that, whenever we get our, um, your boss comes in and gives you a review. I can't find the name of that word right now. Yeah, <laughs> observations. Evaluation, evaluation. Yeah, professional yeah. observations. Yeah. I think that's the other thing too, right? Is you start with the strengths and, you know, it's, it's the same thing with, 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 parents and kids right yeah um yeah no it's absolutely so i mean so on that note so that goes into like reciprocity so is there so how so that kind of like in terms how do you all define reciprocity because that's like a big concept especially from like the model that you all work from yeah well how i kind of see it is um this, especially when we're, I'll, I'll take one example, uh, which is teacher burnout. And that's something that we all experience. And, you know, um, and really what that is, is that's a lack of energy. That's a, that is, we have poured so much of ourselves out that we haven't, and we haven't gotten enough back in that, you know, we are, we're, we're depleted completely. Mm-hmm. And um, what we want to do is we want to see all of the things in our life, but in, in, as a teacher in a school system, I want to see that what I'm pouring my energy in is going to have the, uh, the, the largest, um, uh, reciprocal like payout back. And mm-hmm. so that what I'm doing is efficient and it comes with ease. And mm-hmm. also, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm there for, uh, teaching students, supporting students, create, I, I, I have this job to do. And so I want to be as effective as possible, which means my students are going to be as affected as possible in a positive way. And they're going to feed me back. So, you know, I have this, this bank of energy. And when we're, we come into relationship and we realize that, you know, we're not so separate from things. We're not so separate from our students. I'm not in this, you know, this position that is just going to lecture to my students. And of course, most of us are beyond that, but, you know, this position as, you know, when I give, I should also be allowing, um, I should be able to receive back and I should be facilitating my classroom and my relationships with my colleagues and my community in a way that allows relationships among things to grow. So it's not always just on me either. You know, I'm setting up the system so that students can feed each other so they're not sucking me dry, right? So that that the community can be involved and that everyone can just be you know, uh, supporting and feeding each other. And so the, the energy burden isn't just on one person and we all can kind of really flourish in this reciprocity and understanding values and, and being a steward of those values is also reciprocal because I know how I want to be treated and how I want to feel. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the same care and attention that I should be putting into um, my students and my lesson planning and all of that. But, you know, if I'm only, if I'm only going that one way and I'm not allowing, you know, the students to fill each other up or the, even, even going outside with classes and allowing, like literally allowing nature to help give them energy back, Mm -hmm. you know, that there's, there are so many different pathways to this that we see in the classroom. And so that's kind of how I think of it when I think of reciprocity in, in the classroom. Yeah, no, I think I really like the, um, 
I will reciprocity is like one of my favorite concepts to like explore. So I love your definition of it. And a couple of things that were coming to mind as you were talking was the homeschooling uh, culture. And um, because like, you know, I now have two children that are home doing, that will be home doing that next year. And, you know, it's funny because in all of like the homeschooling communities that I'm in, you pretty much just restated everything that is said, which is you share, you like, especially when, as the kids get older, you like, you create um, self-directed learners, right? And that's mm-hmm. the whole concept is how can you create self-directed learners that are, de- that are not dependent on a teacher to just re yeah. whatever, regurgitate facts to them right? Mm-hmm. It, whether it's the mom, a curriculum, whatever, you're not just asking kids to just take in, take things in. And that's the whole concept of, especially the, um, the unschooling, um, whatever thing in, um, homeschooling, you know, is how can you create learners that aren't dependent on a parent, but in, like independently and naturally, um, want to learn. And you're, you're kind of saying that, you know, you kind of create that culture of reciprocity, right? Finding the resources. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And Sarah was actually just sharing, Sarah, you were just sharing this, this with me on the phone this morning about, you know, teacher in that role, kind of Julia, as you were talking about that role of like giving information like that, that job is pretty much over with. Like we, <laughs> we don't need teachers to do that at all anymore. The, the, the pace and acceleration of content, just sheer like facts and understanding has quickened so much that, you know, Sarah's kid, Sarah, you can maybe tell a story of Owen, but like, oh, go ahead. You tell it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just sharing this with Jess on the phone this morning. It was, it, he's been fascinated by Venus flytraps lately. He's, he's four, he's almost five. And he like heard about him somewhere and was like, mom, can I like watch a video on Venus flytraps? So just, you know, go to YouTube, pull it up, like quick little three minute video on Venus flytraps, right? He's been asking to watch about now all these carnivorous plants, like pitcher plants. Now we know about sundews. <laughs> like he's just mm-hmm. really captivated by the idea of carnivorous plants and how they work. And so we're just kind of keep going down this rabbit hole. And I was thinking like when I was four, right? Uh, this was back in the late 80s, um, mid 80s, late 80s. When I was four, I wouldn't have been able to, like I might've thought, Venus flytrap, but I probably wouldn't have because it wouldn't have been like around in my preschool experience in my curriculum at preschool. And I don't, maybe, maybe my mom would have read me a book that had it in there, but maybe not, probably not. Um, and so I wouldn't have heard about them one, but then two, like I couldn't have like continued to just pursue my learning on demand by like these bite-sized little videos that are like really interesting. And like, I think some people would argue like, but what, you know, is that important for your kid's education to know about Venus flytraps? And like maybe not the concept of Venus flytrap. So knowing about a whole host of a very diverse amount of things opens the door for you to better understand a lot of things later. But um, also he's just learning, like I can learn about things that I want to learn about. And mm-hmm. I like learning, I like learning. And like, what does that do for you as a learner? And like, that's what I think the power of homeschool <laughs> and the power of technology, two things you know very well, Julie. I think like that is, um, you know, that, that is just such an opportunity now that is gonna, I mean, we're gonna look back at, like it's outdating school systems and the way that we do school so quickly that I think that it's, it, I mean, it's just so disruptive and we have got to, if we wanna still create equity in schools for people who can't homeschool their kids, right. who can't, you know, like we have got to 
to make a change to pivot towards a totally different way of doing it. Because otherwise yeah. we'll have like a very inequitable society where the people who can't homeschool their kids and give them those opportunities do, and then, you know, et cetera. I'm, I'm, yes. <laughs> yes, I'm right there. Yeah, I was, yes, I've been thinking about that a lot, you know, the last couple of days in my world, you know, and I think, you know, the concept um, of, you know, um, I think we were talking about this one, I think last time I was on Zoom with you all, um, was the leveraging of the systems, um, learning to leverage, you know, because I think that's where we're at now is this leveraging. And that's where like universal design for learning comes in, regenerative ed, all of those are big words to say differentiated instruction, you know, individualized <laughs> asset learning, you know, all those things, um, you know, to just create like belonging and like, don't, you know, whatever. Um, and I think, and anyway, all that to say is, I think that there's like where people, when people are like, we start talking about shifting education, I'm always like, I think we're at leveraging right now. I think we need to look at leverage systems because, you know, you're going to be in this because you can't shut it. You're not going to run it down because you won't like you're not. And we're not, we're not going to do that. And so no. you have to learn how to work with where people are at right now and know how to leverage with and give them choices um, in their instruction. You know, it's funny because we, you know, it's funny because I talk about, you know, universal design for learning a lot on this and then I train on it. And I also am like, and I still need to give the people that I'm training on those exact same choices as I'm training. Yeah. You know, so meta. yeah. Yeah, it's meta. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like designing a course, like Jess and I are designing these courses. We always get tripped up because we're like, you know, we're like, oh, but this has to, the way that we're delivering the content has to be the way, like, it's like just, it, it has to totally layer up to be an integrity. Um, and yeah, it, it, it gets to be like, it just has to be this metacognitive exercise and like shifting the way that we think about things. Yeah. It is. You have to teach in the way that you yeah. are asking for the shift because you're modeling it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So let's talk a little bit more about this place-based systems design, ed sheds. This looks great. This sounds awesome. What, what's it? What? Talk more about this. Just yeah. So, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you should start by talking about, um, I know, I knew that you're going to take this one because you're like deep experience here and like some really cool results, but like, uh, start by talking about fiber shed. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This sounds great. Okay. So yeah, this all kind of came, um, from this organization that Sarah and I started, uh, which is called Fiber Shed. We're the Rust Belt Fiber Shed, which is the idea that it's a, it's a bioregional system that supports industry within that system. So if you think of like farm to table and like farmers markets, you know, that that food is grown and, you know, 50 miles away, it's on the plate in front of you. Um, we started a nonprofit that is uh, analogous to that, that deals with farm to fashion. So really asking the question of, you know, where our clothing comes from and the origin stories of our fibers. And um, with that is regeneration. So we're regenerate looking at not just getting it local but like getting it ethically and sourcing things that in a way that will help sequester carbon and plop it down into the soil and so really working with our bioregion and the the ecology of place to um you know make a change for the better and to really focus on assets in in that region to strengthen that that um system so um we took that and i'm like 
I'm scratching my head, you know, thinking about these research projects that I'm going to do with my 11th grade, 11th graders. And I'm like, oh my God, like it's right in front of us. You know, it's a, and so that's where EdShed kind of came in as this um, regional approach to place-based learning. And so for this whole year, you know, my students were researching the assets that are literally within our region and not that, you know, global issues are, are not important. We, we talk about those too, but English is unique in the fact that, you know, we can really be kind of like the, the foundational subject for research and communication and dialogue and all this. So um, through this EdChad project, we also uh, partnered with different, uh, different subjects. So students had to, it was a cross-curricular project. So we looked at using English as this vehicle for um, uh, strengthening a math skill to support a, a local um, business, uh, strengthening a science skill to and they were doing research and talking about this. And it was a, a year long project. And through this project, you know, students were able to really share with each other what they found valuable in our region. So, you know, so many kids, we, we're in the Great Lakes region over here. So, so many kids were talking about um, Lake Erie and our watersheds and what's happening there. Um, we were talking about, you know, the, the, um, Oh, what do you, the redlining and uh, all of the politics that go with East Cleveland specifically is in a highly, highly segregated part of town. And so, so many kids were bringing their AP Gov uh, lessons and their history lessons and generating projects based on, you know, and creating podcasts based on what they learned about this region. And so the EdShed focus, and, and then to the end of, with all of these group projects, actually the stakeholders being the community. So um, throughout this whole process, they weren't getting grades for it. And it was really, really challenging for them to not get a grade for all of these checkpoints that they were doing. And they had to do like weekly status reports. Who did you talk to? And they had to like, they had to, you know, they had to tell me like, meet with me and tell me how their stakeholder meeting went and show me the emails that they've been writing and make promises to these community members about their deliverable. And then at the end deliver what they said. And that was, that whole thing was they were on the hook for it and they weren't getting grades because the stakeholder was not the grade. It wasn't this arbitrary, you know, I get an A. The stakeholder was like, oh shit, like I have to present to, you know, this small business owner in, in chagrin about how my math skills are going to help them uh, with their business. I have yeah. to do that. That's what I promised. So, um, it, you know, the, it, there were so many shifts that happened um, throughout this year. And I think these kids were so uh eager for something that was like a new but like stable year-long project that was just you know very much uh, it, it was expressed it came from their own interests it came from their own ideas and we were able to really in actuality support our local community like le legit have an impact not just a research report impact but actually uh, a tangible market, uh, uh, you know, progress for our, our local community. So it was just really cool to see. And by the end of the year, all the kids were like, oh my gosh, we could have just done a research paper, but we actually helped support community members. And so that was just a really, really cool 
cool project. And so, yeah, we're focusing part of, um, you know, regenerative education on looking at our local regions and how we can identify those assets to work with. And assets could be our colleagues too, the history teacher, you know, that was an asset for me to work with to create this project. So that's awesome. And I think Jess is being modest because like she showed me some of the emails that her students wrote her and they're just like, it, it like makes you cry. It's like all you want to read as a teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just like, oh, yeah, it was. And oh, sorry, go ahead, Jess. No, it was just wonderful. I got like the kids had wonderful feedback and and it was it was a really cool experience. But yeah, so we'd like to show other people how they can do that. Um, you know, and maybe you're not an English teacher, but but you know, regional looking at our local assets is of course the way forward in a very global world, yes, but we do have to, you know, kind of think and act locally as well. Um, with our sphere of influence and what we can control because we can control a shitload. And the kids are like, I never knew that we could actually do that because it's the power of the school. You have the name behind you. This is an orange city school. Oh, oops. <laughs> this is a, a X city school district, you know, kid going out there. And I, you know, I, I'm a student at this school. And, you know, would you be interested in, in, doing an interview with me. And then of course, like community members are like, oh, sure, you're a student, you're a kid, you're a student, this is a school project, sure. You know, and there's more buy-in there. So there is the power of the system that like you were saying, Julie, we can leverage to do some really good things. And I think totally. the distinction, the distinction between like, like what just, how Jess structured her Ed Shed projects um, versus like, just like I have, I have some great books on place-based education that are really like helpful and important. Um, but the, there's a slight distinction there, which is like, if you're thinking about it still from that like industrial mindset of like, okay, place-based education, where's the problem? Where can I come in and fix it? You know what I mean? That, that's kind of how we solve, how we like figure out like problems. And right. just as just did have some, like just did coach her students to like help people overcome their barriers, right? Which is mm-hmm. problems, but like the orientation wasn't that. The orientation was like, what is in our, what is in our area? Like, who are our stakeholders? Like, where can we plug in? Where can we build community? What are our assets? What do we want to emphasize? What do we want to lift up? And that's kind of like, and, and then she ran that program and that project through like a framework that we use with regenerative ed, just to like help it truly feel like it is creating more life. And like, like you said, that's like what we're, that's what, that's what we're about, <laughs> creating more life. Yeah, no, I think that's beautiful. And I especially like the, um, I'm just thinking of like all the skills there. I'm like, I was like just counting up. Cause like, you know, cause I like work in like the world of like teaching, you know, k- kids like skills by, so I'm like, you've got networking skills there. You've got problem solving skills there. You know, I was like counting, like racking them up again. Cause that's the way I think now. Cause like now I'm like in this homeschool mode where I'm like, everything's a learning experience. What can I get credit for? You know? And so that's like where my mind is, as a teacher in general, but now even more so like since I homeschool my kids. And so, but like, I was like, man, you just like, yeah, you totally just like brought in like yeah, networking skills, you know, trying to find people that can help you solve the problem. Yeah. And some of the kids were writing grants, you know, they learned yeah. how to write grants. Um, it was, it's, it was a very They're definitely skill-based and, and English is, you know, I do kind of benefit from that because English is very skill-based, right. you know, that's, that's kind of the, the nature of the class, unlike right. maybe what the history standards are or right. that sort of thing. Totally. Totally. So talk a little bit more before we get off about um, 
setting up a living system and like even while you're in the system because I think we were talking about this earlier I think in the podcast maybe even beforehand or like you know I think sometimes when we start talking about you know education reform or whatever it is you know people you know there's a lot of conversations about that and I think I think we were talking about this on the podcast I think we were on the record for this one but like I'm just going to restate it just to get us back there the concept of um being in the system and leveraging the system um and kind of what does that look like from like a living system standpoint yeah I mean I think it it really like we there is way I've like thought about how would you burn a system down <laughs> to start fresh and there's just there's I, I don't see a way that that would happen with education there's just way too many things on the line and there's also these things that that are really systematic that uh, are systemic that that prevent a lot of change from happening like teacher contracts um, way that we hire and license teachers. So like if everybody wanted to just do like advising groups and edge head projects at the secondary level and like we, we, we still have history uh, teachers that are like have to be licensed as history teachers, math teachers that have to be licensed. And we have these pay grades. I mean, the whole structure is really, um, it, it would really need to tumble down to create some like real uh, systemic structure change, but I think that there are a lot of things that we can do um, to start to, like you said, leverage to start to kind of shift to a posture that is more of a living system. Because even in a, a, a system that is uh, the, the way that we like to describe it, like really mechanical, right? Um, we're, we, we are the humans in there and we can make decisions. So for example, just, you know, let's take every level, right? If you're a teacher in a classroom, and we're just talking about education here, if you're a teacher in a classroom, the way that you uh, give homework, give grades, or even down to just an interaction with a student, it can be really um, reactive um, because you are really focused on time and urgency. And in an industrial model, time is money and uh, time is efficiency. And there's a lot of stress behind that. But if you start to open up and say like, okay, time is here and now and present moment. <laughs> and like, okay. I am here and I am okay. I'm okay. And um, now let me just think about how I'm going to react to that kid that just blew up in my class, right? Like now I'm going to, and, and also like not shame about what you could have done better. I mean, I know so many teachers that just beat themselves up about like, I could have done this, I could have done that. So much shame. Uh, all the way up the chain. And I mean, this, this goes for anybody. You don't have to be working in education to, to felt like you should have done something right differently. But if we were to just understand that, like the way that time works, um, which is something that we teach about, like, and that most wellness practitioners and stuff teach about and is, is that, okay, I, I, I have this mindset around time and that impacts how I treat my lesson plan, which is like, go, 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 come on, come on, urgent, urgent, you know? Uh, and instead of that like huge stress load, like that even stressed me out as I just talked like that, um, we we can sort of shift our posture and our change. And that's a little shift, but man, does that make a huge impact, right? And that you don't have to change a whole systemic structure to do that. It would be great if we had the total container to be totally in that mode, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, but that goes all the way up. You know, same things like the practice of observation, right? Mm -hmm. 
like when we are able to just observe how um, things are working without feeling like we need to jump in right now, like jump mm -hmm. in and fix it, right? But just like, hang on, let me not make a short-term solution here. <laughs> like, let me just like, hang on a second. Let me think about long-term. When we, when we know how to do that, we're much more empowered to do that. When we understand that like, we don't have to jump in right away, which mm -hmm. is a huge cultural thing, right? Like as a teacher and someone in education, like you feel like you have to jump in right away because like, I've got to teach this now because if I don't teach this today, kids are not gonna get it tomorrow. And then parents are gonna, you know, there's this whole like fear and there's this whole thing about urgency that we talk about in education. And I agree that it's important work. And I know Jess agrees that it's important work uh, that we do, of course. Um, but urgent maybe is not the right word to express um, our day-to-day -day interactions in our work because it creates this feeling of like constant urgency. And we know that constant urgency is not sustainable. It so really, it really is a problem. I mean, I even have to deal with it with like, with um, like emails, you know, I get in this, you know, and I'm like, does it, I, that can wait three hours, right? Okay. You know, I mean, like, especially my, my work email, you know, like, you know, I'm like, that can wait. There is like a huge, just like constant response, you know, constant, whatever in, in, in that culture. And I was like, I do get 48 hours max to like respond to this. Okay. Like by all principles and policies. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. the more that we actually articulate that, and the more that we can point to the fact that like, Hey, that's the indus industrial culture. Like, that's the industrial capitalism, like colonial type culture that is infiltrating our day-to-day -day operations, but it doesn't have to be that way. We can look this way, the better off and the more confident and empowered we're going to be in saying like, oh, I don't, I don't need to reply right now. Actually, I'm doing culture a favor in saying like, hey, I'll get to your email tomorrow. Yeah. I'm, doing, I'm, doing a, I'm doing everybody a favor. <laughs> I'm resetting the culture. I'm being an example for how to not, how to like, and, and it takes like some radical, like, like being like, all right, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna and do I think, that. And I think it's kind of interesting too, because as soon as you allow that culture to kind of crack open a little, especially, you know, leaders in school districts, but, you know, teachers, we know that we are some of the most creative bunch of people and resourceful, just like parents, right? You have yeah. to be resourceful. You have to be creative. You have to be. And so if we're just empowered a little bit more, if we're given a framework, you know, that works, that uh, kind of shows us as a blueprint, you know, how regeneration can happen in a classroom, that mm -hmm. gives us a little bit more permission to, to really, uh, you know, use our resourcefulness and our creativity to leverage that system that we, we keep saying is oppressing us because it is, but also... We like, we like scarcity, mm -hmm. we like drama, and we like saying that we're so held down, you know, mm -hmm. so do something about it, you know, and, uh, and, and use your gifts, your creativity and your resources and your personality because you're a teacher, you know, right. uh, use those gifts and to, to really, really kind of you know, crack open the norm a little bit and see what can happen. Yeah. Totally. I think it's great. No, absolutely. I like that. It's always, that was one thing I always loved about your course. Um, I took in the fall was the uh, empowerment aspect of it for sure. So um, what's coming on the pike for you all as we um, close up? What's. Um, well, we have a few things going for each 
level. Um, and by level, I don't mean like a hierarchical level. I should right. say by, for each group of people that um, we, we see as important. So leaders, uh, school leaders, parents, and um, teachers, educators. Um, and so I'll just talk about the parents and the principals or school leaders portion. Jess can talk about the teacher portion. So um, for principals, we have coming up a um, free training about how to take yourself from um, this industrial mindset to a regenerative mindset in your leadership. Um, and it's called Industry to Ecosystem. Um, and it's a free training and it'll be live at the end of June. Um, and we're super excited about that because it's, it's, it's a lot of what we've been talking about here, um, just really specific for leadership. Um, and so that's one thing that we've got going on for them. Uh, for uh, parents, um, particularly homeschool parents right now, we're thinking about what is important. And Julie, I know that you said like self-directed learning is really important for, for it's like it's like what you're trying to do. Um, and also there are times where self-directed learning or any initiative, maybe you're not focusing on self-directed learning if you're listening and you're a homeschool parent, um, but any initiative to have a sort of theme um, or a sort of like a through line, right? Like, like something that like, okay, we're doing self-directed learning, but like, what is the through line? And so Jess and I thought long and hard um, and in talking with some parents that are doing homeschooling, we learned that like one through line and one thing that we really, really believe in, you know, there's creativity, there's communication, there's a whole bunch of hosts of things that you could talk about. But one thing that we think is really important is this concept of stewardship mm -hmm. and this idea that like, um, you don't just, you don't just have things, right? Everything, if you think about yourself as a steward, a steward of your relationships, your time, your talents, your, um, your, your physical objects, the earth that you live in, all of that, if you start to think and see yourself as a steward of those things, uh, it's instant gratitude because you're automatically being like, oh, something was given to me. It's, re it's reciprocity. Oh, I need to steward it so that other things. And it's just all of these things, creativity. It's, you know, there's all of these things combined that make stewardship so important. And we also think, you know, because of the way that our world is going, um, just in terms of like resource wise, <laughs> that it's really important to think about stewardship and stewarding the earth. So uh, we're going to have a course available for um, to, to have home. It's going to be really accessibly priced to have homeschool parents think about um, how they could use stewardship as a as a through line um, next year. And then I'll have Jess tell you about what she's doing right now, which is a really cool, uh, like just email course. It's super simple for teachers. And then what she's thinking about for the fall. Oh, yeah. Well, the, right now, the email thing, it's just it was just like a um, let it go 10 day transition through emails from um, kind of going through this craziness of the year and transitioning into like, how do we process all of that? Because I just know personally, um, you know, I needed some space dedicated to it in the morning to like shift from, uh, I, well, I didn't have a problem being like, hell yeah, summer's here, <laughs> but um, to, to not just bury what happened under the rug, but to like process that to really create space in my heart and my mind for summer. So um, we're, we're on day five, I think right now and going through that, um, that process. But um, later on in the year, you know, speaking of kind of regenerative education, uh, we have an offering for teachers to, um, 
you know, think about how to start off the first two weeks of their school year strong, because, you know, if you can start off the first two weeks coming from a regenerative framework that focuses on reciprocity and stewardship and all of the things that we really talked about today, um, the rest of your year is going to be so much easier uh, because there's going to be that understanding of reciprocity. It's going to be based on how you are, you know, your, your, your class is going to be founded on that. Students are going to understand that. And, you know, the rest of your year is going to just, uh, you know, maybe hopefully you'll have a little more energy and feel a little less burned out and uh, have be, be more a more effective teacher. So that's going to be coming out in the middle of July. And I'm really excited about that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for coming down and talking more about that. It's always lovely to hear you all talk about what's happening and how you're kind of meeting the needs of the, of the different kinds of learning happening in the world. So um, thank you all so much. And you can, people can find you on, on the website at groundedteachers.com, right? Grounded teaching, yeah, grounded teaching. Grounded teaching, grounded teaching. Yeah, grounded, grounded teaching, grounded teaching.com. Uh, we're on Instagram, uh, grounded teaching. Um, you can email us at hi at grounded teaching if you're interested in anything. Um, oh, and our podcast is regenerative ed. Too. Yeah, it's awesome. Thanks for asking. Our, yeah, absolutely. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. And I'm going to stop the recording. Okay.